Hey, girlfriend, and welcome to Candace Barber, the podcast. I'm your host, Candace. I am a mama three, a wifey, and a Reiki practitioner who's also a psychic medium. Yeah, I speak to spirit. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Here, I'm going to be sharing stories of all types of women from all different types of journeys because we all have a story to tell, right? I want you to expand your mind and understand that you're not alone or perhaps just to educate you on how other people parent. I'm also going to be bringing on professionals in their field to help us better ourselves emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically to be the best mother and person that we can. I really hope you enjoy today's episode. If you do, please take a screenshot and chuck it on your Instagram stories. I love seeing you guys listen to the potty and it also is really good to help support our guests that we have on here. Anyway, that's enough out of me. Welcome to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to season two of the potty. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're an OG from season one, you would have noticed that there is a slight change in the intro. That is because I want this part of my social media community to be just about mums and not necessarily about spirituality. Of course, because your gal is like a spiritual queen, there will be mentions throughout the episodes and I will do solo episodes on parenting with my spiritual background, but it's not going to be something that you're going to learn spiritual stuff from. Anyway, today I've got an incredible woman by the name of Justine. She is a sleep and parenting coach. And before you roll your eyes, because that's what I used to do when I heard about these people, I really want you to take some time to listen to what Justine have to say today. She is an incredible woman, a wealth of knowledge. She's got the biggest, kindest heart that you've ever known. And her approach to sleep and parenting just blows my mind. I know you're going to get so much out of today's episode. I am so excited to bring you all the guests that we have got coming on to season two. So please make sure you stick around. Episodes will drop live Monday every week going forward. But that's enough out of me now. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to season two of The Potty. I am so excited that we're back here and I'm sorry there was a bit of a hiatus. There's just a lot going on in life with lockdown, believe it or not. Anyway, to jump straight into it, we have got an incredible woman with us today, Justine. Hello. Hello, Candice. How are you? Good, my love. I'm good. Um, I wanted to have you on the potty for ages, honey. Um, I think I'll just quickly explain. I met Justine through a Reiki session, so I actually held space for you, didn't I? And we had Reiki together. It was wonderful. It it was. I mean, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it was. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you just really, I don't know, I, it became really evident that we had very similar values, very similar personalities, and we've just become soul sisters very, very quickly ever since, like to the point where you love my kids, I love your kids, and I just can't wait for lockdown to be over so we can just get to know our families better. Oh, absolutely. I could not agree more. Yeah. All right. So today we are going to be discussing sleep and parenting coaching that Justine offers. But before we do that, babe, why don't you introduce yourself as someone outside of your business to us? Of course. So I'm Justine. I'm 30 years old. I've got a wonderful family. So I've got a husband, his name's Jake, and I've got two beautiful children as well. So Sam's four and Sienna's 10 months old. So it's actually really lovely that I've been able to fall into this line of work given I've got children myself under five. Um, I'm somebody that's really passionate about 
horses, about riding. I've just recently gotten back into it again. I've got a little pony called Hercules. Oh, my God, look up. I know. I look absolutely ridiculous riding him because I'm probably a bit big for him. But I think through this lockdown, given that probably one of the only activities you can legally do at the moment is caring for your horse and of course that includes exercise and riding it's something that I've found again recently in the past few weeks so that's that's been a lovely outlet through all of these challenges it's so crazy because like I feel like I know you so freaking well like down to your core because I've seen it with Reiki and you and I have deep conversations but it's funny like this stuff shocks me like I only like picked up on Facebook or whatever it was the other day that you're riding a horse I was like oh my god I didn't know she liked horses (laughs) Oh, seriously, it was it was the point where in my early 20s, I was out competitively riding dressage. I had a beautiful, big black Frisian horse and he was absolutely stunning. Um, we did lots of competing together, lots of dressage. He was my sole horse. Um, oh so, yeah, I've definitely got a, a huge part of me as horses. It's something I really love to do. Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. And your kids, Sam and Sienna, are honestly the most gorgeous little thing. Um, Justine and I often laugh because she has a daughter who has no hair and I had a daughter <laughs> who had no hair. We call them potatoes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I love little babies. I think they're so cute. They're so cute. But I'm just, I like, I'm sort of happy that she hasn't got hair because everyone that I know with girls in my life has got like this full head of hair. Like their babies have more hair than Kyla does at two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but she's so goddamn cute and Sam's just the most beautiful natured little kid and I'm yet to meet Jake because every time we go to catch up lockdown Jake's happens our spoiler. again <laughs> Jake's our spoiler so yeah excited anyway my love so why don't you tell us what you do and how you do it or how you got into it so I I went back to work really early with my first son Sam so I ended up going back, I think, when he was about three, four months old. So sleep was really essential for our family and for him because we all know sleep's restorative and to function without it is extremely difficult. So heading back to work that early to manage a fully booked childcare centre, I had to be on. I had to be there for the parents. I had to be there for my own family. And it was really important that we all got sleep and rest. So I started to explore the concept around sleep and settling when he was a baby and I found some really effective approaches approaches to finding a better night's sleep for our family. So it then began something that I would talk about with the families at my childcare centre, I would talk to friends about it, I'd offer support and advice informally because it's something I really cared about. And then lockdown happened. Um, I ended up having Sienna October. 2020 so we were in the heart of lockdown at that point when I had her and I just noticed the transition from baby one to baby two like all of this support's just out the window it's gone everything's virtual you know parents are being handed babies and then it's a matter of you've just got to try and figure it out and there is no manual when it comes to children So I noticed after having Sienna, um, particularly online, there was just such a cry out for sleep solutions, just for general support around parenting. And I just reached a point where I knew I had to make a difference. I know that I, I set my business up probably around January, February this year. Um, Sienna was quite young when I did that. And you know, prior to going on maternity leave, I was an area manager for a long daycare company. So 
it was a huge transition for me, but it was a really huge need and it was a decision I had to make to transition from my full-time role as an area manager into running my own business as a sleep and parenting coach because there was just such an evident need for it. And I can't tell you how happy it makes my heart to be working with these families and to be finding better sleep and rest and just general support is so important. It is really important and to the point where you've just started doing like, what is it, like once a month you have free Zoom calls now to have like a Once virtual, a fortnight. Once a, once even a fortnight. Yeah, seriously, it's needed. So I've started up so this needed. online mums group and it's free. It's just for fun. We do games. Like last, last feature was 90s trivia. Oh, my um, God. I was so jelly because, sorry to interrupt you, because I was actually doing in Moon Circle that I was a guest at. I wasn't running for once. And I was like, oh, you know, this will be good for Justine. And then when I finished and jumped on Insta stories, because, like, that's just what I'm always in Insta, um, I seen all these people tagging me with, like, all these fun shit. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so jelly that I miss this now. So I really want to go to the next one. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I've got one coming up on the 20th. If anyone's keen to join, just check oh, so out the link September. in my bio. Yep. Yep. 20th, 20th September. September. So it's yeah, it's in a in a week or so. Um, but yeah, look, it was so much fun. And I think it was just really lovely because women from all over Australia jumped onto this Zoom mm. and they were able to connect and talk about parenting challenges and what it's like parenting through lockdown. And even if they weren't in lockdown, it was still just nice to connect with other women online because not everyone's got the luxury of a mother's group. So I think it's something that I really enjoyed facilitating. I've got so many more crazy games up my sleeve. Bring it on. Yeah, you would too. Absolutely, I do. I love a good fun <laughs> Zoom meeting. So yeah, I'm 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 really keen to get some more mums on. And as I said, it is just for fun. It's not formal. It's not structured it's just about jumping on meeting other women and having a bit of a laugh and they also have access to you to just get a little bit of um you know just like a little bit of help I guess while you're there oh absolutely because the the, really the theme is just for fun and for a bit of support so we run through the fun first so if there are parents out there that are sleeping well and don't want to talk about sleep (laughs) I totally get that like jump off I I invite them to jump off before we start talking about sleep and parenting if they don't want to talk about it yeah um but definitely I found on the last um mother's group catch-up that we had online pretty much everyone stayed on and yeah. talked for ages. I think it went for about two hours in the end. And people just jumped off when they were ready, when they were tired or, yeah. you know, they'd gotten what they wanted out of the call. And that's the whole point of this. I want it to be informal. Yeah. I don't want it to be something that people feel like they have to stay on. It's just about connecting, having a laugh, having some questions answered if you need it. And it's free. Yeah, I love that. And I love you so much because, you know, we obviously talk business in the background with our friendship. It's something that we bond over as well because we're both business babes and it blows me away just how giving you are to people. And I'm really glad that you found a way that aligns with you to help women and have fun at the same time. So you are a sleep coach. I think that's kind of pretty obvious about what you do. (laughs) But the parenting aspect with your sleeping and parenting coaching, like how old are the children or families that you, you work with? Great question. So I have to say, if anyone out there is pregnant, come and talk to me. I would love to have more mums that I work with that are expecting babies because we can start to set up sleep and parenting foundations that are really solid from day one. 
Um, and it also, it kind of fills up your toolbox with lots of different strategies that you can pull out when you need to. So rather than it being sort of a reactive approach, you know, we're coming in to fix challenges, it can be the opposite. It's proactive. You know, you've got it there when you need it. You can pull it out when you need it. And I think the mums that I've worked with that have been pregnant, they feel so much more confident going into that birth phase. Um, on the other side of the fence, I work with children up to five. So yeah. anywhere from expecting to birth to five, I can adapt a package to suit your family. That's amazing. And I will just say Justine has been incredible for me with William. If you follow me on Insta, you'll know that my little boy, he's five and a half, a little older than your niche, but that's fine. Um, he's really struggling with lockdown. He's been a really great support for me to help me um, keep him stimulated and approach him differently. So, um, and I suppose um, those listening, because she Justine has got that age, not age care. Oh, my God, that's a nursing <laughs> No, you've got the daycare knowledge. You've been working with children in that age group for forever, right? Mm, 15 um, years. 15 years. Wow, that's, incre- that's incredible. Can I just ask, though, because people probably might be thinking this, does that mean that you have to start a routine with a newborn? No. Okay. No, no. No. <laughs> absolutely not I don't know how that would work (laughs) so I think when I talk about working with children from birth it is about okay let's talk about the foundations around sleep which I'm sure the both of us will cover in in a few moments but it's it's just about normalizing infant behavior is really important too so it's really important that we're following cues we're going with the flow with that newborn phase because they are not born into a routine And they're too young in most cases to try and get into one. So we've got to have really realistic expectations of babies. And also as mothers, we've got to have realistic expectations of ourselves as well. So it's more about coaching around what's to come rather than what's in that moment when we talk about, you know, mums that are expecting or newborns. Yeah, I love that. And I think it would be really amazing to have a coach in that newborn phase. Like if I was to go and have a fourth baby, I think that is something I definitely I think I'd definitely look into having um, um, anyone who's new to the potty. I have got three children myself. I've got a five and a half year old, two year old in it. Oh my God, he's, he's one this week. It's crazy to me. Time flies. Now, we are going to switch it into um, your foundations practice that we want to talk about the foundations of sleep. Please correct Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah. No, four foundations of sleep because okay. I like to make things as simple as possible. And this kind of an approach is really helpful. So it can be adapted from for children really from any age and it's based on parenting styles as well because I don't have a one-size-fits-all approach. This is simply a guide around the four most important principles when it comes to sleep and settling. Um, as to how we work within those guides, it depends on the family and the child. Yeah, Can't stress okay. that enough. What are the four, the four foundations of sleep? So the four foundations are response, nutrition, timing, and environment. Okay. Let's, let's break that down a little bit because that seems like a lot to me. <laughs> when, like, I know this because I've talked to you about this before, but when you first said to me about all these things with sleep, I was just like, what do you mean there's other elements affecting my kid's sleep? Like, I don't understand this, um, but when you started talking to me about it, it was like, light bulb 
moment and actually pretty inspiring as a mum to know that there are things that I can do that aren't in the bedroom trying to help my little kids sleep that are going to help to induce that time. So let's jump into the first one, which is response. Tell us about this. So I think response is really important. And this is where the parenting aspect comes in because this relates to all day, not just when we're tackling sleep. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Oh, absolutely. So I think when it comes to children, they're not born with the ability to regulate their emotions. So we are co-regulators for our children. So when it comes to play or sleep, my approach supports families to find calm before sleep. And then even if you're thinking throughout the day, if you have those really challenging moments, it's just about pausing, taking a breath just giving your little one some space or some comfort, get them calm, then tackle what's going on. And it's the same with sleep. So if we're going into sleep and children are hyper-emotional and we're just stepping back, it can be really hard for them to find calm. We've got to help them find that calmness to help them feel safe and secure so that they can find sleep. So my first foundation, that's really the parenting aspect really comes in there and I'm very inspired by the circle of security parenting approach with that as well. So does that mean that, say, the way you respond to your child through the day when they need you and they're annoying you (laughs) and everything you've Yeah, absolutely. This will help them to feel more secure going to bed. Is this what you're saying? So like when they know that when you need them, that you will be there. Is that, is that right? Yep. You've hit the nail on the head. Okay. Absolutely. I like Sorry, that it's, aspect. It's just, I like to call it kind of tuning in because usually when it comes to, you know, behavioral response from children, there's usually something behind it. There's sometimes, sometimes there's something underlying and we've just got to step back and give it a bit of time as far as helping them find that calm. Do they need space? Do they need me? What is it? Um, really tuning in and reflecting in that moment, what does my child need? And I like to talk about it in a really simple couple of reflective questions, which is are they okay or are they not okay? But if they're mm. okay, give them some space. If they're not okay and trust your intuition on this, offer some comfort. Yeah, I actually really love that. And it makes a lot of sense, like thinking back to like us 80s babies. Um, If you weren't born in the 80s, what are you doing listening to this podcast? Well, I'm a 91 baby, so (laughs) watch your words, girlfriend. Okay, maybe early 90s then, early 90s and 80s. It's a 90s trivia at my free online mother's (laughs) group. Oh, my God, yeah, okay, totally. I ate my words then, I apologise. Apologise to everyone listening. I think that's that's hilarious. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So that, that makes a lot of sense because their generation was taught to like have their kids perfect and they, you know, very strict and sleep training back then was very different. So this, I love that, that this is one of the foundations and one of the pillars that you work with. Now this circle of security, can you explain that a little that you spoke about? So the circle of security approach is, it is, it's simple, but it's complex at the same time, but it's, it's still connecting back to a lot of what we've just spoken about. So okay. the circle of security has actually got a diagram. So it's got a circle, a physical circle, Then it's got two hands on the circle. Those are the hands of the parent. 
So it's just about being there and being present and responding to what it is that your child needs. So the idea is, is when they're feeling good and they're going out on the circle. So when they're, you know, might be they've, they're wanting to explore or, for example, with sleep, they might be playing in their cot. It's about going, are they okay? Are they not okay? They're okay. Cool. I'm going to celebrate that they've gone out on the circle, that they're happy in their own company or whatever it might be. I'm going to give them some space. Yes. That then connects to play because when they're going out on the circle with play, it might be that they've just built something independently like a block tower. So it's really important in that moment as a parent to celebrate and, oh, my goodness, that is the most amazing tower and I'm so proud of you for building that. And then the other side of the circle is when they're coming in. Now, when we talk about children coming in, it refers to them seeking comfort. And remember, we're hands on the circle as a parent. And the, so the hands, when, sorry, the hands, are they like the cup at the bottom of the circle? Is this what like, yeah, at the bottom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Justine's so, nodding there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yes, I'm nodding. <laughs> so absolutely. So when we're talking about children coming in, for example, a child's just fallen over, they've grazed their knee. They are bawling their eyes out. So that would be a great example of we need to welcome them. Yes, come here, give you, you know, give me a hug. Are you okay? I can imagine that really would have hurt. Ouch. Right? How can I help you to feel better? Do we want a band-aid? Do we want to cuddle? Those kinds of conversations. You know, for a, a, if we again go over to sleep, this could be, for example, a child that's four months old in the midst of a sleep progression. I don't call them regressions, I call them progressions. And this four-month-old baby may not be finding any calm when it comes to being in that cot. So, for example, in that case, that child's coming in, rather than stepping back and just, you know, letting them cry, for example, it might be a matter of, you know, picking them up, giving them a cuddle, that close contact, helping them find calm. And when they find calm, try sleep again. It's crazy because my psychologist talks to me about this, this exact thing uh, with William um, about, yeah, allowing them to feel safe to leave and safe to come home. In yes, a of fact. in a nutshell, yeah. that's a really good way of explaining it. I've probably gone a bit in, more in no, depth there. I think but that is, yeah, I think that's a really, really short, precise way of explaining the circle. Mm, yeah. And it's, I love that you're using these techniques um, in your parenting and coaching and your sleep coaching. Well, I, I think that was really great, a great thing, like listening to all that. So what about nutrition? Are you about to tell me that my baby has to be vegan and only eat organic food? I mean, no, no, no disrespect to anyone, but I've got a third baby and we don't eat organic. <laughs> that is okay. The nutrition element is not necessarily about all organic food. It is about making sure that children have got certain foods to support a better night's sleep. Um, I like to talk to families as well about things like gut health, the microbiome, because gut health is imp impacted by so many different factors and it starts even before you've had your baby. Oh, wow. That could be a whole hour podcast in itself. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about gut health and the microbiome in detail right now, but I think it comes down to key essential nutrients to support children to sleep better. Okay. So, for example, four of those key nutrients, iron, magnesium, tryptophan, Sink. What the hell is so those are 
but everybody asks that all the time and it's something that you can't necessarily um it has to be you have to get it from things like food so for example tryptophan is found in things like poultry eggs bananas Mm. and it actually supports a better night's sleep wow um, and again, things like iron. So that's, you know, quality cuts of meat, legumes, eggs, tofu, things like that. So it's about going, okay, what are some top vitamins and minerals that we can introduce as a part of your child's diet, but through food sources? So I'm not talking about going and buying supplements for your children by any stretch of the imagination. It's just when I work with clients, I like to give them a bit of a list of some foods. Okay. And it's about going, okay, yep, I could add that. I could add that. I could add that. Yep, we have that at home. We'll have a little more of it. So it's not about saying you need to be on a strict diet to find sleep. It's about raising a bit of awareness for those certain vitamins, vitamins and minerals that support children to sleep better at night. I love that. And just for mamas like me who have got one or two fussy eaters out of the, the brood, the herd, um, how do you have any advice on how to help fussy eaters eat things that they don't want to be eating that they kind of need to be this is something that you do really well so when you have your muffin trays with different kinds of food yep brilliant solution right i think choice is really important and also time is really important because i think if i reflect back on my older son for him to fit my daughter so my 10-month-old daughter probably eats quicker than my four-year-old son. So I fully understand the challenges around, you know, when it comes to eating and fussy eaters and things like that. But what I've found over time is choice is a really powerful thing. And also moving away from we have to have breakfast foods at breakfast. We have to have lunch foods at lunch and we have to have dinner foods at dinner. So, for example, sometimes, you know, in the evenings, I might create a meal for my family. I might pop a few pieces of fruit on the plate, something a little bit different. You wouldn't traditionally have at dinner, but it's just about good food, isn't it? So it doesn't matter what order we're necessarily giving it in. Just think of good food as good food and offer different kinds of these good foods throughout the day so that children have choice. When children have choice, everything gets easier. I freaking love that. And just anyone who doesn't know what she's talking about, the muffin trays, I've seen somewhere on TikTok, <laughs> I don't know, some social media land, I can't take the credit for it. They used to put, they put their snacks in the, like a six muffin tray, six whole muffin tray. And so every, every day before Kyla goes to, down for her big sleep in the day, I give them a snack, we call them snack plates. And they're filled with lots of different things like nuts some days and cucumber and, and uh, carrots but they also get little cheeky things like um, you might they might have some chips or a little bit of chocolate or something like that so they've got a big range of things like healthy not healthy and in the middle because my little one my five-year-old there ain't no way he'd sit there with like a snack plate full of healthy shit and they do they eat it and will knows um it's not so much of a problem with kyla because like mm. you she's she just eats fast or when she's finished she goes to bed anyway so um, whatever, but Will knows that he has to eat everything in that snack tray before he comes and tells me that he wants anything else to eat because he'll just snack all day otherwise. Mm. Um, and it, it really does work. And when he doesn't want to eat things that he, you know, sometimes he doesn't like peanuts and some, not peanuts, but like nuts. And sometimes he does. Um, I don't get angry at him, but I at least ask him to have a bite of something before I remove the tray and get lunch or give him some more snacks or something like that. So yeah, yeah I'm so glad that I'm doing something right. Thank you. 
You're oh, doing so lots nice to hear. Right. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure like most mums, we feel like we could be doing enough, but I know like my children feel loved and that's the, that's the main thing. Um, okay. We've done response and nutrition. Very like these are really basic things that you're helping people with. Like they don't seem super complex. Like I love no. it. It's so simple. It, look, and you have to keep it simple. And I think even with the nutrition piece, I work with um, an amazing nutritionist. Her name's Emma Park. So she's given me the knowledge that I have. And I am really privileged to have um, learned a lot from her. And look, we do deep, dig a little bit deeper when it comes to consultations. We talk, th- yeah. as I said, we talk about gut health, we talk about microbiome, we also talk about probiotics and their importance as well. Mm-hmm. So when when you're doing things one on one with me, there is a little bit more to it, of course. But 100%. explaining it's got to be simple. And yes, these are things that are achievable. Yeah, these are things that are really easy to insert into whatever it is that you're doing day to day with your life I could imagine that different families have different issues with different pillars as well like they might be nailing nutrition and response but the other two might be not so great or the response is what they really struggle with because they might have their own emotional traumas that they're trying to deal with from their childhood I mean and that's huge feels anyone out there I feel you um And it's um, true. You're right. And I yeah. do use this as a bit of an assessment tool because when we're having conversations, I'm constantly going back to these four pillars mm. and I'm doing, I'm making a really conscious assessment around what areas we need to spend the most time in. And yeah. I ask parents too, what's most important to you in this process? Yeah. What part of these foundations do you want to focus the most on? Because this has got to be a parent and child led process as well. I agree wholeheartedly. Okay. So timing, what's that about gal? Oh, Gal, timing. <laughs> Isn't this the age-old conversation? Routines, routines, routines. So I think when we talk about timing, this is so unique and it is so individual. I've got mums that come to me and they're like, I thrive on having a routine. That's me. It yep. really helps me. Cool. I'm going to help you work with biological sleep windows to find something that fits for your family and it's going to support sleep and rest for your child. And I've got, you know, other mums I might work with that having a by the clock routine actually makes them anxious. Wow. And I think the answer here is you don't have to follow a by the clock routine to find sleep. <gasps> did I just say that? <gasps> I did. Did you just say that? I did. And what's really interesting as well is some children will thrive off routine. Mm. Some children will thrive off having that flexibility throughout the day. So I, I might even combine a bit of by the clock, a bit of flex, but it's about the family, it's about the child. They lead the process around what my recommendations are. And, of course, it's got to be realistic around yeah. your child's age. We've got to have realistic expectations for sleep. Um, there's a lot of wake window guides online and I think anyone that's got children really under the age of two would be very aware of the wake windows that are usually talked about um and it's basically indicating how long your child should be awake before they go down for the next nap and i look at these wake window guides and some of them like the awake periods are so long yeah for children so we've 
we've really got to reflect on rather, and I really hate one-size-fits-all guides. If you're on my Instagram, you'll see that. I begrudgingly posted a wake window guide a while ago upon request, but make sure if you check out my Instagram, you actually read the comment I put on there because this is so individual. I create an individual routine for each foundations client I work with. I do not have a, oh, your child's four months, have a routine. Hell no. It's about you guys. It's not about me. It's not about my idea of how it should work. It's about finding something for, that fits for your family with timing. It's so important. And I can attest to this. So between the lockdowns when we could actually have someone at our house, Justine and I actually caught up. I mean, it feels like a million years ago, right? I know, um, right? Because it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Any Sydney, uh, New South Wales or Victorian babes were sending love. But my first two children, so William and Kyla, uh, we went to sleep school with both of them at different ages, William at 18 months and Kyla at five months old, um, five and a half months old. And Axie, we haven't had to. William and Kyla, every, like, the, the traditional wake windows that you're talking about that you can Google or in any easy PDF that you buy, they all have the same sort of things. Um, they would buy the book at every single age, you know, the the two hours at six months and then like the three hours at this month and four hours to five hours. But it's crazy because then when you came over and Axie was due for, was going to bed, you, like you're just like saying, we're just having general mum talk, not like a sleep consultant, consultant talk. You're like, oh, what time did he wake up? I'm like, and also embarrassed to tell you, I'm like, oh my God, you know, he's, he's only been awake an hour, but he wants to go back to sleep. And you're like, just, that's, I don't care. Like, and I was like super self-conscious. You're like, I don't care what he does. Um, as long as it works for you is what you kept saying to me. I don't know why I felt so nervous to tell you that he'd only been awake for, for such a short period of time. But he is now one year old next week and he still can only stay up right now. Not can, he, we, can we can push it with him. Like if we go to the park or something, he was more than happy to stay awake. But he really wants to go to bed at that one and a half, two hour mark. And he sleeps really well. He sleeps yeah. really well. And it just shocks me because my other two at this age were having three to four hours of wake time before they went to sleep so it is crazy how different children even in the same family can be so individual with their needs oh I'm so glad you brought this up and this is a really classic example of sometimes if you're simply relying on a generic guide and you are not getting sleep you're not finding rest your child's not settling well it might be the guide. It mm. might just be the guide. Tune in to the cues as well. And this is great. Like as, as Candice mentioned, when we were chatting and when we were together, she noticed those cues popping up, follow them, and look at what happened. He went to sleep and he stayed asleep. Mm. So I think I really try to empower mums to follow their gut yeah. and what they think it is that their children need because you guys are the experts when it comes to your own children. Yeah. I'm a sounding board. That's what I am. I am a professional sounding board to support better sleep rest and play yeah because like some people like I mean some kids if you put them down when they're not tired they they won't sleep very long and then children like Kyla so Kyla's two and a half and she still has three to four hours in the middle of the day I am blessed with Kyla and Axel but any mum is listening with hard babies trust me I copped it for two years with Will and he's five and he still wakes up through the night <laughs> um but yeah, Kyla, but if you put her to bed too late, she will only sleep for an hour and a half. Like mm-hmm. if, even if that wake window goes over by about 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes she's like, yeah, nah, I'm too tired to sleep, I guess. Is, is, that, is that a thing? I feel yeah. Like 
Oh, over, overtired. Like this is the thing. The the age old overtired undertired thing. It's about finding the sweet spot. Yeah. So I think if children, for example, are up for too long, we miss that window. Sometimes you'll find things like settling can become really, really challenging mm. emotionally. They're really upset. They're hard to calm. So yeah, it's it's. I think when it comes to daily routine and timing, it's really complex. And if anything, I like to talk about some golden guides around timing rather than having the pressure of you having to follow an exact timed out routine. I actually can't remember the last time I gave a parent a by the clock routine, to be honest. Because <laughs> you've got to be flexible. Life has, you know, you might have three kids, you might have five, you might have school mm. drop-offs, you might have kinder drop-offs when you're yeah. not in lockdown. Um, or if you're an essential worker. So this is the thing. This stuff has to fit in with life. Yes, we're locked down, but are we always going to be at home 24-7 just waiting for that time to pop up so you can run straight to your child's court? No. I hope not. So, <laughs> so I think the main thing is, you know, by the clock routines, they worked really well for my older son. And we we almost had to do that because I was working such long hours and he was such a little bub. But you can find sleep with flexibility and with routines. Yeah. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. So can I ask with the timing aspect, does this revolve around when I know you call them progressions, but people will generally know them as progressions. That's fine. I understand. Um, whenever I see people, even when you talk about progressions, I like, don't come at me with your pro bullshit because I am balls deep in no sleep. <laughs> Look, um, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. And you know me, I try to put a positive spin on lots of things. I know, so. I'm, a, I'm the queen of turning it all into positive, but I still can't do You're like, that But one. when I'm sleep deprived, how does no sound? Look, I think with the progression and regression thing, you know, usually regressions happen because children are learning lots of awesome new skills and it is only temporary. And I call it a progression because usually it's because they're learning something or yeah, something's changing or they're getting teeth. So yeah, I know it's like a you probably want to punch me in the face when I say it if no, you're you know if you're in the much. middle of it but yeah <laughs> that, that's the why behind the progression name a lot of the time when I have had maybe not so much Axel because he has been a bit of a golden child but the other two I was like I don't know if I should get help from with sleep and while they're in these these progressions yeah. So would you encourage mums to come and see you even if they are in one of the leaps that are known for bad sleep or would you say wait till the leap's over to come and see you? Because, I mean, timing, I guess that's going to fall into that with this sort of stuff, with the wake windows and all this sort of stuff. Absolutely. I think this is a really great question. I will literally work with any parent at any time that they feel ready to start. Okay. And it's just about, I think I really like to talk about realistic expectations. So if we know that a child has just started a leap, we need to set an expectation that, you know, they are going to need more comfort at the moment. Are they going to fall into this stuff? No, they're not. They're probably going to need a little bit of time. But let's start talking about it so that when you start to reach that light at the end of the tunnel, you can start implementing some of these approaches. I've worked with lots of mums and bubs that are mid-progression. And I, I really find that it gives a little bit of comfort, but it is tough when you're not getting any sleep. And it is, I've been told quite helpful to vent when it's yeah. hard, to have that person in your corner, to celebrate when you finally get a win and you start to see that you're on the other side of it. And I think the thing 
when it comes to leaps, something that can happen is a child can enter a leap, their sleep changes, response to sleep changes, but then the challenges don't go away or it feels like they're not going away. So I think what I like to say to parents is if you're thinking about getting help, it's probably time to get it. Okay. The longer you wait, sometimes the trickier it is to turn things around because, of course, it depends on how much time it's been going on for. So, for example, um, you know, co-sleeping, supernatural, totally support safe for co-sleeping. I think it's really great for some families. Now, if you decide, though, that it's not working anymore and you want to change it, if your child's been co-sleeping for three years, it is going to take them more time to transition away from that and we have to support them through it. Whereas if you've got a child that, you know, has been through a sleep progression and not quite come out of it, so you can see that other areas are settling down but we're noticing with sleep it's continuing. So let's say it's been going on for six to eight weeks. Yeah. That's been happening for six to eight weeks, not three years. Yeah. So that's a very, that's a different situation. We can usually implement some different bits and pieces to help support better sleep and rest when children are developmentally ready to receive it. So I think it it comes down to time. So can you contact me mid progression if that's when you want the support? Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. All right. So we've got the last one, the environment. Oh, this one's, this one's probably the best one to talk about because there's so much that you can control with an environment the others are a little bit trickier because children often don't know what your plan is (laughs) so we have to work to get them I suppose get them to respond now with environment that's a little bit different because these are external factors that we can influence that may support better sleep and rest so that's talking about things like temperature light safety those kinds of things they're all controllables um and a little test i like to throw out there for families if you're interested in giving this a go at home some children can be super light sensitive and this light can mean that they do wake up overnight and it does trigger stimulation so i always say dark rooms are best dark rooms support the production of melatonin which is our sleep hormone so for example you could go into your child's room Preferably, you know, it doesn't matter whether they're deep asleep in their room or they're not, but go in, shut the blinds, shut the door, make sure every light in the room is switched off, let your eyes adjust and look around. There will be more light in that bedroom than you realise. Now, I I can't stress enough, not all children are light sensitive, but the ones that are, you could save an entire consultation with me if you just black out your windows and this is the trick with the door, right? Because if you've got, say, a hallway light and mm-hmm. there's actually light coming around the crack in the door, get a fitted single sheet and put it over the door. It's going to black it. out the light and it costs you, like, nothing. It'll look really ugly, but it solves a problem. Who cares, mate? Who freaking I know. cares? If it means you're getting sleep, you know, go for it. And so if- I think... Yeah, go on. Sorry to interrupt you. But again, I can attest to this because William, super light sensitive, like ridiculously amount. Like we've we had we blacked out his room entirely till he was like three and a half. So it's only yep. been the last two years that he hasn't had a blacked out room. Kyla, semi sensitive, so she has one window 
on the call, like on the wall next to her cot, like not where the cot yeah. is, but the one next to the cot. And yeah. we have to black out half of her room. So only the side of the window that her cot is on. Yep, that makes where, sense. Where Axie, mate, that kid doesn't can, care. Nah, you have the blinds wide open and our kids like sleep right through it. Like it is, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Absolutely. <laughs> he but what a great into a sense. Again. Oh, yeah, I know, right? It's so different. It's so different. Um, and so can I ask with the environment also, I just want to say those two, those two hacks, amazing, amazing. Do you want one hacks. more hack? Do you want of course one more I do. Hack? Of course I do. For your listeners. Yeah, man. All right. Blue light is not our friend. Blue light, Blue light. triggers cortisol production, which is our stress hormone, which is our like anti-sleep hormone. So Again, no, no screens. This is what you're about to tell me. <laughs> oh, look, no, nah, I'm not going down that. I'm not going down that pathway tonight. Let's not talk about screen time mid Does lockdown. That, I'm going to give that a rest. rest. <laughs> no, I'm going to give that a rest. That is not the right conversation to have. What I am going to talk about, though, is when you're in your dark room doing your light assessment, look for blue light. You might yeah. have a blue light on your split system. You might have numbers that are blue. Oh. You might have one of those sleep clocks that are not the brand I recommend, and they are blue overnight. Oh, my God, please now. tell me it's not the Grow Clock one because Will has a Glow, is it Glow or Grow Clock? From It cost me like $50 baby bunting. Please don't tell me that is affecting his sleep. Well, if he's waking up overnight oh, God. and the light's blue, it actually could be light oh. sensitive. It's okay. It's, it's all right. right next to his face. Like it literally shines on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's quickly talk about sleep cycles, right? So okay. <laughs> children, if, so even if you've got a child that sleeps through the night, they are still waking up overnight. They are coming out of a sleep cycle, temporarily waking, looking around, going back to sleep, right? Now, if you've got a child that comes out of one of those sleep cycles, looks around, blue light in the face, and they're light sensitive, it could be enough for them to go, oh, hello, up I get, oh I'm going to go wandering. So blue light not your friend um again doesn't apply to all children i know heaps of children that might have a blue grow clock or whatever they're called in their bedroom and they're fine so i can't stress that enough this is not a one-size-fits-all but light is huge when it comes to triggering cortisol when we came home from sleep school uh, with william because he was 18 months when we went there i don't know how i managed to stay alive for that long (laughs) I felt like a zombie. Oh my gosh, are you loving the episode so far? Justine's great, right? We're just stopping for a quick ad and that's to let you know that there is going to be an incredible masterclass available to you on Sunday the 26th of September called Uncover You, The Masterclass. That is next Sunday, just in case you were wondering. This masterclass is going to be introducing to you my brand new 12-week signature program called Uncover You. And what this program is going to be is a 12-week program working with me in a group setting, learning all things spirituality, your guides, intuition, uncovering yourself, getting to know yourself, your shadow work, being self-aware and deepening the relationships with those people around you. We have got some incredible guest coaches coming on to teach you about astrology, about crystals, having a cacao ceremony, and also about sex, love, and relationships. Yes, I've got a coach coming on for that because I am so passionate about that part of our life, and this beautiful woman can help teach you more. But anyway, what I want to introduce to you is the masterclass. It is completely free and whether or not you sign up for the 12-week course is irrelevant because you're going to walk away with some incredible tools to help better your life. 
Sign up for the masterclass is now open. You can head to the link in my Instagram bio or just jump into the show notes and click on the registration to sign up. I'm so excited to see you guys next Sunday night and to help uncover you a little bit more. You like how I use that pun? Anyway, babe, that's my Gemini moon. You'll understand that further when you work with me. Anyway, let's get back to Justine. We had to, sleep school said that if they're really super sensitive to light, to actually like the baby monitor, make sure that the light has is off. So what we did was put blue tack over the light. So well, you just took it. away my hack, mate. Oh, sorry. Because I was banging on about blue lights. So I was going to say, if you put blue tack over <laughs> all of the little lights in your room, that's another way to not destroy your devices, but to get, so good job, Candice. Thank you. Maybe well, maybe you need to join me. Need you, to... Yeah, no, you can, I'll, keep to, I'll keep to energy. <laughs> mate, I don't have the patience. I don't have the patience. I don't even know how you worked in a daycare oh, centre for over 10 years. No. Oh, no, love it. Love it all. No. Love it all. You know how we blacked out William's room um, because we use Sleepy uh, the Sleepy Sunday Co. I'll pop, I'll yes. pop their, their blinds yes, down you will. The they are below. Right. They are the ones I down. recommend. Sleepy Sunday Co. Sorry, guys, if I don't write this down, I'll go, I'll put it in the comments below and you'll look down there and there'll be nothing there. That's classic Candace. But um, we use their stuff now. Uh, but what we had to do was actually use like uh, water and tin, like tin foil, like, you know, the one that you use in the kitchen? Yes. And our next door neighbour that we lived in for ages, we, we ended up being quite friendly with him. And Will's room is like on, was on the fence to this guy's house. And he's like, can I just ask you a question? Because I feel like we're, we're becoming friends now. I'm like, yeah, man, what, what, like, what's up? And he's like, what's going on in that bedroom? Because like, <laughs> have you, are you growing something in there? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. No, it's not. It is not a hydroponic setup. Trust me. That is what I. This this that's blacking out sleep. It's blacking out light. Seriously, I've got so many clients that have done the same thing because you know it's not in everybody's budget to get block out blinds, and it is a cheaper solution to put foil on your windows. So look, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. And look, while we're talking about. Um, I just want to circle back because you talked about the grow clock and the blue mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, Sam, I think it's called Sam the Sheep Sleep Clock. Let me get back to you on that exact, exact name. That is the one I tell my clients to get because it's actually got a red light overnight. Oh, right. Now, okay. red light doesn't in- interrupt the production of melatonin. So that is a really great option when it comes to those indicators of when children are meant to be in bed, meant to be getting up in the morning. Cause that's what the grow clock does. I'm guessing it's like yeah. a visual indicator. Yeah. So this one has got the red light, so it doesn't trigger cortisol. So those like aromatherapy thingies or lights that you can see that, that are on Instagram that are red, do they actually help sleep? So I stock the Aroma Snooze. So that's probably what you're talking about. There's mm. there's two main ones on the market, the Glow Dreaming and the Aroma Snooze. Mm. So the Aroma Snooze is the one that I stock and that I prefer. Um, that Basically the idea behind the red light is it doesn't interrupt the production of melatonin. So in most cases I'll say to my clients, you know, you can have it off and turn it on when you're doing a nappy change or a feed or if you need to come into the bedroom, it's not going to trigger cortisol if you're turning it on. Or a lot of families have it on all night as an independent sleep association. And because of the colour of the light, it doesn't impact the production of melatonin in the sleep hormone. Okay. Because uh, Will's had a, um, he, he has a night light. 
So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now I want to talk about with the environment because unfortunately Kyla is addicted to white noise and on the baby monitor when one of them makes noises and it flips through the goddamn screens from the multiple children that I have, the other two are quite silent and Kyla's is like, and it was so annoying at the end all night. I had to change it to an ocean sound. So at least it's like semi uh, pleasing to my ear overnight. Um, what is is white noise good for children? Because my other my two boys haven't needed it. I've tried it with Will, didn't work. Axie didn't give a shit about it, but Kyla loves yep. her white noise, like to the point where she'll wake up if we have a power outage overnight because her white noise, I guess, with those sleep cycles when you're talking mm-hmm. about it, because she wakes up, it's not there, and she'll wake up for good. Like yep. she'll wake up and be like, um, excuse me, wh- where the hell's my noise at? And she <laughs> she comes in, you come in, and she goes noise noise oh bless her yeah she she turns it on every time she goes to bed it's very cute so do you suggest a sound machine for for families I love white noise I think it's great and white noise as you said (laughs) look you know and again it it doesn't work for every family but it is a fantastic independent sleep association yeah and Again, we're looking for things that make children feel safe and secure when they're jumping out of these sleep, well, not jumping out, when they're coming out of these sleep um, cycles overnight. We want them to kind of look around at their room, at their environment. What can they see? What can they hear? Do they feel safe? Okay, I feel safe. I'm going back to sleep. So if they associate white noise with that, that's really good. Now, a couple of tips about white noise. Um, If you can have it three metres away from the bed, um, that's helpful. Electronic okay. magnetic fields, so EMF, um, we want to try and avoid that um, right. if we can. So three or more metres away is good. Um, we want to have it on a lower volume as well. So really no louder than a running shower. Yep. Because when it comes to the World Health Organisation, off the top of my head, we want to keep sort of sounds under 65 decibels to protect children's hearing. So the use of um, white noise that's on a volume that's too high or too close to a child that can potentially impact hearing. So I think when we consider the safety around white noise, it's it, in most cases, if you follow that guide, it's perfectly fine to use. Um, so just keep it a low volume, keep it away from the cot. It's usually fine when you, when you follow those guides. So those, th- that's a few tips around the use of white noise. And for anyone who doesn't have their baby monitor or their their or the I guess their baby monitor and their white noise three meters away from their children, just know that there are crystals that can actually interrupt the signal, like, like interrupt the the barrier. If you want to go a little woo, I won't mention them here. You can just Google them. I think like Shungite and maybe maybe black tourmaline. I can't remember. Um, okay, so perfect. I love that. That is a really incredible approach to have and it's not scary to me where if I came to you and you said you need to do x y and z be up like because all I was ever told is eat play sleep is eat play sleep eat play sleep Uh, eat feed play sleep yeah that's all I've ever known I was never told response nutrition timing environment so I I think the way (laughs) I think the way that you break these things down is incredible and I will just say Justine does so much education around this it's not that she's gone and done one course and that's it. She has got an incredible amount of knowledge from helping children in in childcare, long day childcare. Um, she's got all like you are. You were constantly 
you know, you've been saying to me that you want to study more and more and more. And I'm like, oh my God, you, you. I don't stop learning. That's just me. No. Because at the end of the day, I think when it comes to being a sleep coach, I could have done my certification stopped and I could continue working. There would be no problem with that. And a lot of people do. Um, but for me, I want to be able to help and support in the best possible way. And that means continually upskilling in different areas to strengthen my approach to healthy family. So I'll never stop learning. I finish one course, I'm on to the next. And I really value that investment mm. in education and time in education because at the end of the day, it it helps me to help you. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you. Thank you for going through that. I'm actually really excited because I put a questions box up on my story and um, had a few questions come in from the community. We can bring it on. Bring yeah, it on. To ask you. Um, now. Where should we start? Okay, let's start with this one because I feel like you'll have a lot to say. Well, not a lot to say, but you'll have really important information to say about this one. Why won't my two-year-old sleep post-ENT surgery? Oh, this is a great one. I'm going to answer this question with more questions. I'm so sorry to the person who put this in the comments box. That's right. I'm so, sure she went mine. <laughs> cool. I think... I think with this this situation, I probably need a bit more information before answering, you know, questions like, you know, were they sleeping well before the surgery and the surgeries changed that? Um, another question would be, has sleep always been challenging and were you hoping that the ENT surgery would provide a solution? Because this surgery, if anyone's listening and not sure, so ears, nose, throat. So if there, you know, if there are any complications in those areas, it can actually um, stop children from getting that really good quality restorative sleep and rest. So some children, they have ENT, they might have a surgery, come out of it, and they're better when it comes to sleep. You know, they're sleeping better and it's improved things. Mm. So that would be another question. You know, has it always been challenging you? We're hoping this would provide a solution and it hasn't. Um, And I think as well, I really love to touch on this. So if children have got any kind of underlying, and look, I have to say this is this statement is not connected to this question at all, but if there are any underlying medical conditions or if you're in the process of diagnosing a medical condition, it is probably not the right time to start working when it comes to sleep and rest because the medical condition could be the reason that the child's not sleeping. And sometimes if the medical condition is the reason, no matter what you do, no matter what you try, it's not going to provide a solution until we can rectify or find answers to whatever that underlying complication is. So mm. I, I will mention that. If you, if you believe your child's well and it's just a sleep challenge, absolutely go for it. But anything that's pending, underlying when it comes to the medical conditions, definitely get that checked out first. Um, I think in this situation with the two-year-old not sleeping post the ENT surgery, um, I offer an Ask Me Anything call. So for $125, you get an hour's coaching call with me, also get a check-in. Um, but this is an opportunity to ask me any questions for support and guidance in that mm. hour. So that might be a really good option for this person that's um, left this question. Um, they might be able to bounce a few things off me and I can provide some support and advice. I love that. That's amazing. All right. The next one is how do I keep my cool when my son's pushing all my buttons? I love this question. And look, we we have touched on this a little bit probably earlier. 
Um, but I think when it comes to these challenging behaviours popping out throughout the day, so, you know, let's just say a full-blown tantrum meltdown, like your little one is losing it. So I think it's really important to support them to feel safe and find calm before you work through that emotional outburst. Mm. That is when you start reframing your thinking around these behaviours and thinking about finding calm rather just than just trying to fix it. Sometimes when we find calm, everything else is easier from there. So co-regulate, help to diffuse, then work through it together. Um, and I think as well, it's really important when you've got stuff going on with your kids and, you know, potentially, you know, with these lockdowns, it makes it so much harder, doesn't it? Mm. There's no such thing as perfect parenting. I cannot stress that enough. We just do our best day to day. And it's really, really normal for parents to have off days because we're not perfect. It's impossible. So I think it's really important as well. If you know you're having a rough day, just pausing for a few moments, just stop and breathe. And sometimes even breathing in through your nose, out through your nose, that's not what we normally do, is it? No. It kind of brings a little bit more mindfulness to your breath. It distracts you because you're trying to concentrate on breathing (laughs) in through your nose and out through your nose. And it just gives you a few moments to bring it down a bit. Yeah. Because when it comes to co-regulation, essentially that means that we need to help our children to find calm because they can't do it on their own. They actually can't. Um, And when we talk about heightened emotions, we talk about stress, that's cortisol again peaking. So that's our anti-sleep hormone. And this question is not necessarily about sleep, it's parenting, but Mm. I've got a really strong belief that cortisol energetically transfers between people, between parents and children. And I've done a lot of research around in in utero cortisol transfer And that has been substantiated that that does happen. So, for example, if you have a stressful pregnancy, your cortisol levels will rise. Cortisol actually transfers through the placenta. You birth your baby. And then sleep, in some cases, is more challenging than it more so would be because of that cortisol transfer. So think about cortisol when you're interacting with your children as well. So when you're feeling that stress and you just feel like you're about to lose it, Think about that energetic transfer and whether that's mirrored as well. Oh, my God. You just, like, literally mind-blown me because with Axel, sorry, with William and Kyla, my pregnancies were very different. I was very different. I was not the semi-blissful person that I am. I will say I'm a blissful person that I am now. And then Axie, the entire pregnancy was when I became attuned to Reiki and I did probably, I don't know, 50 to 70 Reiki sessions. Um, I performed them on other people while I was pregnant with him, and he is the coolest cucumber you've ever met. I mean, you know, you know what Axie's like. He's the most chill kid ever. Um, mm. So that makes I love I love that. I love as a spiritual mum to think that the cortisol, like, you need to like do a post or a reel on this. I swear to God, oh, energetically I, I need to do so many reels. I'm so slack with them, <laughs> but I think this is the thing. Like, you know, even. Just think about, just think, if you're listening, just think about a really bad day you had and think about how your kids were. That'll yeah. give you the answer. Oh, 100%. Um, it's, it's absolutely a thing. And even when you're talking about settling at bedtime, so if your stress level is going through the roof when you're trying to settle your baby and if you notice that they're starting to cry and get really emotional, again, think about that cortisol. 
that stress hormone. So finding calm for yourself yeah. really is helpful for, to then find calm for your little people. My, I want to say two things here. Firstly, my psychologist said another mindful technique is breathing in for four, breathing out for four. And honestly, like I'm not perfect, but I've noticed that when I could just take literally half a second to just do that, because for me, yeah. lots of sound, I've, I've had postnatal depression with Kyla. And so I get touched out and I get overwhelmed with sound when my kids are doing a lot. So if I can just take a step back for a moment, do the breathing, remind myself that I'm safe, I, I respond a lot better to my children and, and my husband. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, Take a moment and breathe. Yeah. And Definitely. the second thing that I want to say too is that my psychologist said we actually only need to be good parents 70% of the day. The other 30, oh, yeah. 30, 30% of the day. The other 70%, you don't have to be that perfect parent. Um, but that's that 30%. I was like, whoa, that I didn't realize you only had to be a good mom for 30% of the time. Most of us are probably functioning at 70 to 80% of the time anyway. Um, so just knowing knowing that statistic was a really good thing for me, especially when I transitioned from one to two children. Absolutely. And I think that statistic has actually, again, come from the circle of security research yeah. as well. Oh, my so I is, think, yeah, yeah, she's all across that clearly. I would love to have a chat with her one day. We yeah. can talk for hours, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think it's really important as well. I think if you've got older children, if you have a bad day, and if you have had a moment where you've lost it and you haven't handled the situation the way you really wanted to, I think it's really important as well to have a chat and say, hey, I'm really sorry. Like I lost my cool in and I shouldn't have. Let's have a hug. Because yeah. I think, you know, having that moment and apologising is okay to own if own it if you've had a challenging moment. And I think it just strengthens that bond between you and your child as well. So don't be afraid to have real emotions. And if you feel like you need to have that moment and take the time to apologise to your little one, go for it because they will then mirror those behaviours as well as they grow. I do that to William. I've been doing that for William for the last 18 months when I'm having it yeah. every day. Absolutely. Beautiful. Okay, there was a couple of questions that came through about transitioning their two-year-olds. They seem to be two-year-olds that are doing this out of their cot and into the bed and how to keep them to stay in bed. And I'm just going to say something funny here is, my advice to you is do not take them out of the goddamn cot until they're climbing out of that thing. Kyla will be four and she'll just still be sleeping in the cot. If she's not climbing out of it, she's stayed in there. But anyway, I will hand this one over to you, Justine, because I am not the professional. <laughs> okay, well, it's actually really funny because I, in most cases, will recommend the same. If it's not a safety risk, sometimes it's easy to keep them in the cot for a little bit longer. Um, I think when it comes to the cot to bed transition, um, technically speaking, sort of between two and a half to three or when you find they're ready to respond to kind but firm boundaries around bedtime is the best time to transition away from a cot into a bed. But I think, you know, we're, if we're already there, if child's already in the bed and you're already finding that it's challenging, I would, again, ask some more questions in this circumstance. So, you know, when the not overnight waking happens and, you know, your little one's coming out of their bed, how are we responding to it? Um, so, for example, if they come into bed with you and they sleep with you for the rest of the night, um, in that case, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I can't stress that enough. Some families actually start bedtime in their child's room and then they allow them to come in and sleep with them for the rest of the night. So okay. that works really well for some families and that's fine. But if you don't want to roll like that, 
but you have been rolling like that because you're really tired and you just need to get some sleep, but you want to change it. Um, if they've been receiving that closeness and that contact and they've, they have been sleeping with you, we've got to have, um, you know, we've got to have really kind and realistic, I suppose, expectations when it comes to having them go back to sleeping in their own bed. So something that you could do is you could even pop a single mattress on the floor, even a blow-up mattress for a few nights and just sleep with them in their sleep space to get them used to being in there again Mm. and then slowly move it out the door night by night. Um, And things like layering independent sleep associations. So we talk about independent sleep associations and dependent sleep associations. Neither are good or bad, I have to say that. Um, They're just ways that we get children to sleep. I mean, saying, I mean, we won't get into this conversation because I feel like we'll be here for half an hour, but are you saying that it's okay to have mm. a dummy? Is that what you're telling me? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big dummy fan. I think that okay. sometimes they cause challenges, but I think sometimes they're great. So it okay, depends, good. again, on the child or the situation. I mean, I've, I've used dummies with both of my children and they both sleep amazingly overnight. It just depends. And now I've got so many tricks around dummies. That could be a half-an-hour conversation. That could be a half-an-hour conversation, yeah. But the dependent Just and really quickly... Sleep. So a dependent sleep association would be you sleeping in bed with your child and rubbing their back to get them to sleep. Now, if you're finding they're waking frequently, it's because they're looking for the back rubbing and they're looking for you, which is fine. Again, this is no judgment space here. Yeah. Um, Independent sleep association, white noise, red light. Okay. So in this case, when we're looking at supporting little one to sleep in their own bed and to stop the night wandering, while you're in that sleep space and you're helping them to become familiar with that space again and to help them feel safe and secure, for older children, you might want to do things like have a sleep meditation CD on mm. in the room. If the white noise isn't quite cutting the mustard and we need to up our game to get a bit to get them into their bed. Um, and then again, that Sam the Sleepy Sheep clock that's got the red light and the visual cue indicator. So If your child's old enough where you can explain, hey, you know, the light's still red, come on, it's time to go back to bed. That's a really good conversation point for redirection. So that would be my, that those would be my tips around that that situation for sure. The light actually worked really well for Will, really, really well. Visuals are great for older children. Fantastic. Okay. Um, I'm just going to pick one more. Do you want a parenting question or a sleepy question? Oh, no, you surprised me, girlfriend. I'll take either. Okay. I'm passionate about both things. You know this? I know. I'm going to say this one because I feel like I'm going to come into this with Kyla in the next little while. Three-year-olds, how to manage nightmares and being scared of monsters, etc. Oh, this is this is a really big one. And again, I think we've got to go, okay, where's it coming from is the first thing. Okay. So we know that with lockdown, there's an increase in screen time because, you know, most parents would say, I would assume that children are watching more TV or whatever it might be as a result of being in lockdown because we can't take them to places that we usually take them to. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes really listening to what it is that they say they're dreaming about or they're having nightmares about is a really important step because if they're having nightmares about something they may have seen on TV, it might just be about going, okay, well, that cartoon, we're not watching that anymore. 
Because mm. if there's a alien in that cartoon and suddenly we're talking about nightmares about aliens, we know that that's probably the source of the nightmare. Yep. Um, little trick, child's afraid of monsters, put water in a spray bottle, put glitter in the spray bottle, spray it around the room before bedtime, call it monster repellent, keeps oh monsters away. God, that's I love that. next tip. And the classic dream catcher. That's amazing. That. So Sam went through, oh, I, I want to say he was about uh, maybe have just turned four. Um, and I noticed he was going through a couple of um, nights where he had nightmares. Um, and we had a dream catcher just in the shed somewhere. So we pulled that out and we just explained to him that, you know, the bad dreams get caught in the net now and the good dreams go through the feathers. And funnily enough, it was the last time he had a nightmare. Oh my gosh. I mean, if you want to go like real woo, I suppose we could do like selenite rods or crystals that are safe that children aren't going to obviously inhale a bigger one, um, not little tumblers, obviously, because sometimes Will wants to take, I mean, I think it would be fairly obvious that I have a fairly large crystal collection. Um, and sometimes he wants to take my crystals to bed, not because of bad dreams, but that could be something cool too. And so I think this is the thing. I think when it comes to nightmares, figure out what the source is. And sometimes those little approaches to help children feel a bit safer. Because again, this all comes back to safety and security as well. Yeah. Um, try and find that safety and security. Try and make them feel confident at bedtime. And sometimes you'll find that that'll help. And, you know, we again, nightmares are actually a huge topic we could talk about all night. They could are complex. I... They are tricky. But yeah, yeah, definitely. those are a few tips. Could I suggest something and you could tell me if it's not the appropriate thing for people? But something like this is something I, could, I often communicate with William because I work with Reiki and the chakras, right? And often we'll communicate with William and Kyla and give them a whole heap of pencils and different colours and ask them to colour something in or draw something for me. It's a really good way for me to see which chakra they're really needing help on. So if they draw a picture that's mostly red that will be like the sacred the, the sorry the root chakra if they're like if it's purple it's the crown chakra like green or pink is the heart chakra um you could ask your little one to draw you a, a picture and see which chakra they necessarily need some work on because they might be feeling vulnerable in a, in a different chakra three-year-old is starting to develop their they'll have their root chakra and their sacral chakra and starting to develop their solar plexus chakra at that point so it could be um it could be a good idea to do that. And then this is why I suggest everyone learns how to do Reiki because then you could give your child Reiki and actually arm their bedroom with Reiki. Kyla does Reiki with me in her bedroom. Um, I've taught her the symbol and how to say it. She's not attuned yet because she's not old enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you could energetically um, help with this. Would you say that that's something you could help with, Jesse? Oh, well, girlfriend, that is definitely your department. I, I okay. definitely <laughs> need to invest in some knowledge in that space myself. Um, <laughs> you're the Reiki master and I think if I you found that to be really effective with your children and, you know, we've got many mums in this audience that are really spiritually attuned, I think that they'd find that really helpful. Yeah, I'm really diving into that sort of stuff um, with my kids at the moment, seeing what works with crystals and Reiki and even little things like Axie's um, a little bit unwell at the moment. So I just reikied him while I was cuddling him at two o'clock in the morning and then reikied his bed. And I don't know if it was coincidence or what it was, but he did go back to sleep and slept until eight o'clock this morning, 8.30. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You're amazing and I love you. Um, Aww, can right you back at you. Tell him. Oh, stop. 
keep going because we're both Leos and we could just yeah. compliment each other all day. <laughs> Ego stroke all day. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> now, how can people work with you and how can people find you? So people can find me on Instagram. Um, I'm on there daily. Um, so my handle's at safe and sound sleep coaching. Which I'll and put in the description. Thank you, my friend. And I've got some different options as well. So if you want to work together, if you're not sure yet, if you want to have a bit of a chat first, I do offer a free clarity call. That's a 15-minute chat on Zoom or phone. Um, So you can explain to me what's going on and I can suggest potentially a package that will work best for your family and some of the challenges you're experiencing or challenges you're not experiencing because don't feel like you have to come to me when you're in a state of disaster. It's not coming to a sleep coach is not an indication that you can't cope. I'm simply an extension of your community when it comes to parenting. So whether this is a proactive approach and you just want to learn more about better sleep and rest or you are experiencing challenges and you really need a sounding board, there is no wrong time to come to me. So I have an Ask Me Anything call, so that's $125. I also have um, my foundations package, which is one-to-one coaching. It's it's my favourite. It's three weeks of support as well while you implement the strategies, um, and that's $375. So that one is amazing because I really get to know families through that. I develop a personalised plan for you, routine guides, everything. So um those are the two main ways we can work together and I've also got online coaching courses coming up too so have a look at my workshop and events section for those with the second one that you just said <clears throat> yeah um how long does that coaching series go for so you got you like you do the coaching and then three weeks on top of that with support yeah. is that right yeah oh absolutely so we have our initial coaching call we develop the plan we get it all together um and then you've got three weeks cool support with me so if that means that you can vent you can celebrate you can contact me with questions you've got me for three weeks to implement the strategies and then we also do a second consultation as a part of that package to talk about how things are progressing and also to come up with a bit of a plan for the future too because I think my approach is really about creating sustainable solutions when it comes to sleep and rest it's not a quick fix it's not a band-aid approach and I hope that that's become really evident tonight as we've talked through the four sleep foundations. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I have got a quicker couple of quick fire questions for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Okay, just to end it on a bit of a fun note. Um, if you were a crystal, what crystal would you be? I would be, oh, I'm going to say citrine. Oh, my gosh, love that one. Abundance baby. And also yeah, girlfriend. Yes. All, all about the solar plexus, all about the solar plexus, which is that's the citron thing. Okay. Um, coffee or cacao? Coffee. Oh, why? Sorry, mate. <laughs> I haven't explored cacao yet. And coffee, I have about three a day and could not live without it. Well, I could, but I don't. I love it. Uh, what has been your most favourite book that you've ever read? It can be fiction or nonfiction. Oh, come on, mate. This one, this one's really hard for me to answer. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to erase this one from the podcast because I've got a book in mind. I can't even remember the title of it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just tell, me the, tell, me, tell me the last one that you, that you read that you loved. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> 
don't stress. That's fine. I study courses. I don't read books. You don't read books. <laughs> don't stress. I've got like a whole book section in my office that I haven't read yet. They just sit there looking. Got really so many as rainbow. well. And I did read a really good one, but I literally cannot for the life of me remember what it's called. So let's delete that question. Throw another fun one at me. <laughs> What's something quirky about you that not many people know? Oh, it's another good question. You come up, come at me with pearlers, Candice. I have, I have. Um, okay, people. Okay, something that people would not know. Everyone sees me wearing headbands. Yes, they do. The reason why is because I have out of control flyaways from breastfeeding, and I have regrowth that's about three centimeters long. So, although I'm trying to start a trend here, thanks Gorman, I have terrible hair, and that's why I wear them. Oh my god, I'm laughing so much because at your when I seen you once, I was like, why do you wear them all the time? Like, you know, like putting something on your head's like protecting your crown chakra. Is there issues there? And you're like, babe, let me show you. And she pulled off her headband. And honestly, she has like a crown of like baby, baby hairs. Like I thought it's out of control, people. It is out of control. Yours are out of I mean, you look beautiful. You look beautiful. With my headband on, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, and my last question for you is who is Justine in her most free estate? Oh, super energetic, positive, and I like to think someone that you feel like you have known for years when we have a chat. I can you say can know that. me for five minutes if I'm in my free estate, which is pretty much all the time I like to think. <laughs> um. I like to think when we talk, when we connect, it's like connecting with a long lost friend. I can definitely say that's true. I hope that answered the question. That was a tricky one. Yes. No, I loved that. All right, my love. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I hope, I, I mean, I know that people are going to have so much to get out of that. I'm sure there are lots of things that we can all implement, not just about sleep, but just about parenting as well with the, with the four different pillars that you have. Um, thank you so much for your time. Pleasure. I always love chatting with you and I'm excited to connect with some new mums after this podcast goes out. Yeah, man. And I'm excited to get some cocktails when we can get out of our house. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to bring you some incredible mums and incredible women that help, um, help us enhance our motherhood journey. Until then, keep smiling and stay beautiful and that's all for today guys thanks for listening if you enjoyed it please again i'd love for you to share on your instagram stories tagging me and our guests today letting us know what you loved about the episode and just because this is my podcast and i'm a leo if you want to connect with me further you can do so by booking in a reading or having an incredible reiki session with me and if you want to do that you can either head to my instagram bio and book in through there or there'll be something in the show notes below If you really did enjoy today's episode and you're loving the podcast, don't forget to subscribe to our potty and leave a review in iTunes if you can. It just really helps to promote my podcast and reach more women. Anyway, beautiful. Keep smiling and have a wonderful day.